You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer with York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that really matter to all of us who live and work here. Coming up, a fundraiser to honor the 2020 grads and benefit Mad Canada. And the wait, it's finally over here in York Region. Stores and salons have opened their doors. Ontario also announcing earlier this week that they are providing employers with a safe workplace toolkit. Monty McNaughton, Minister of Labor, Training and Skills Development, joins us on the feed with more. Minister McNaughton, what is in your toolkit? Well, Anne, we continue to launch uh, tools to help businesses uh, reopen safely and and keep workers safe, as well as ensuring uh, customers have the confidence that they feel safe uh, entering businesses that are reopening. We launched uh, a toolkit to help businesses develop a workplace safety plan that'll be individualized to every single business across the province. It's my understanding that there are at least 28 distinct sectors when it comes to businesses. So how do you decide and determine what fits one type of business versus another? Give me an example, if you could, of two very different workplaces and what the toolkit can do to help them. Well, this toolkit will really uh, be specific to every business. So we encourage uh, business owners out there and uh, managers and supervisors to uh, go to Ontario.ca forward slash COVID safety. We provided a template uh, free of charge and it really helps businesses and employees uh, identify the risk for transmitting the COVID-19 virus uh, in the workplace and to build a plan uh, and then uh, implement that plan and communicate that plan to uh, all workers and customers at that specific business. So let's say the food industry versus construction. Can you tell me what might be an example of what would be in the toolkit for the food industry, for the food business uh, versus the construction business? Yeah, great question. So uh, in the guidance documents for construction uh, specifically, it talks, for example, about having uh, team or staff meetings outdoors. So construction workers can uh, physically uh, distance, uh, distance themselves from uh, one another. Um, when it comes to retail, uh, we talk about the installation of plexiglass to separate uh, workers from uh, customers. When it comes uh, to uh, office workers, we talk about uh, staggering uh, shifts and having you know some workers in the office one day and the next day will be another set of uh, workers just so those workers can physically distance. So lots of unique things uh, based on the individual business. It appears the mandate is the health and safety of workers and others, of course, but have there been concerns from uh, employers that their employees, uh, when they're trying to call them back, to work that they're concerned about their own health and safety. Absolutely. This is one of the reasons why, uh, as Minister of Labor, Training and Skills Development, I've really been uh, focused on the health and safety uh, element during COVID-19. And as we come out of COVID-19, employers need workers uh, to come back uh, to work. Um, They need uh, workers uh, to be safe. And there's an economics benefit to putting health and safety guidelines in place, and that is so customers feel confident coming uh, through the doors. So this really is a win-win for employers and employees. And we know that the overwhelming majority of businesses do a great job. There are always uh, bad apples uh, out there, but we encourage every business to go to Ontario.ca forward slash COVID safety, develop a workplace safety plan for your individual business, uh, and just create safe environments for workers during COVID-19. Is there an element of compliance when it comes to this? Uh, I know that the Ministry of Labor inspectors have been very busy of late, so is there that that aspect of this you're offering guidelines but must there be compliance as well well every business uh, owner knows that there is uh, a law the occupational health and safety act and employers do have a, a legal responsibility to keep uh, workers safe and to keep them free from infectious diseases like uh, covid-19 
Uh, my priority as minister is, is to work with businesses, uh, to give them every tool possible to ensure that uh, workers uh, can be safe. And as I said, the overwhelming majority of businesses are doing a great job. We do have uh, inspectors. We've beefed up the number of inspectors uh, that are going out inspecting businesses as well as uh, communicating these guidelines. So a real customer service uh, approach as well to help uh, businesses really uh, adapt to the new normal that's here with uh, the global pandemic. Is there something that is, signifies that that the place has been inspected and that the employer is uh, utilizing uh, aspects of the toolkit? You know, you think about a restaurant when a health inspector goes to take a look, there would be a green sign in the window saying, you're okay. <laughs> is there that same kind of, of signage that would be relevant and obvious to the consumer? Well, I can say that the uh, retail counter- Council of Canada, uh, Restaurants Canada, they are developing uh, a sticker that can go on uh, the front door that's, you know, being developed separately from uh, our guidelines, but uh, it really is going to be something that signals to customers that, you know, it's a safe place uh, to enter. Uh, Our focus, uh, again, as a ministry, I've been very transparent when it comes to the amount of uh, inspections being done. I think it's important that workers know uh, that uh, they can have confidence uh, in the ministry inspectors going out. I, I can update you, Anne, that uh, during the COVID-19 uh, crisis, we've done over 11,000 investigations uh, connected to COVID-19. Our ministry has issued uh, 6,500 uh, orders uh, to improve health and safety in businesses across the province, and we've had to shut down 23 workplaces uh, since the beginning of COVID-19. So what do those numbers tell you and tell us? Does that mean that it, that it is working, that, that employers and businesses are understanding what they need to do, or are you feeling that more work needs to be done? There's always more work to be done to protect uh, workers when it comes to health and safety. But, uh, again, I have confidence uh, in the businesses uh, across the province. They're doing uh, great work. I remember there were challenges uh, in the first uh, number of weeks in the construction sector. Uh, when COVID first came uh, to Ontario and myself working with uh, the labor leaders, working with workers, as well as uh, the contractors and employers, everyone quickly turned the conditions around for the most part. Again, always uh, challenges. Uh, that's a prime example of an industry that really pulled together and the construction industry is in Ontario is leading the country when it comes uh, to improving health and safety. At the risk of repeating myself, I ask this question just about every time there is a discussion about businesses reopening. Who pays for what is necessary for a business, for an employer to make uh, his or her workplace safe for his or her employees? Well, I I mean, uh, coming from a small business uh, background myself, our our family was in the home hardware business. I know how challenging uh, the times have been. Uh, There are uh, costs for businesses. uh, unfortunately, because of uh, COVID-19 in, in many, many aspects, this is uh, another one. Uh, but again, there's an economic benefit if they can, you know, put plexiglass, for example, in retail stores between uh, customers that are paying and cashiers. Uh, that's going to improve, I think, customer confidence and consumer confidence, which will pay uh, dividends in the long run. Uh, as a government, I can speak, you know, our ministry alone, we've deferred about $2 billion in WSIB premiums for months and months uh, to give businesses a relief. Uh, our government has reduced uh, hydro bills in some cases in half uh, to help businesses and families. So it's a, a multi-pronged uh, approach to give relief to businesses, uh, but there certainly are going to be uh, costs to doing this. York Region is now in Stage 2, and it's only been a very short while that we're there. What do you say to the businesses and to the people of York Region right now? Shop local. Uh, that's the message I'm uh, telling everyone across the province, whether your uh, businesses are open now or going to be open uh, in the future. Shop local. Support uh, your small businesses, your family-run businesses, all of us uh, together can get through this. And this is another way that the people of Ontario can pull through COVID-19. And I would say, you know, to those businesses that have recently opened or are about to open uh, in Stage 3, uh, go to Ontario.ca forward slash COVID safety, get ready to reopen, uh, follow the guidelines, develop a workplace a safety plan, and restore the confidence of workers and customers. You are the MPP for Lambton, Kent, Middlesex, and you moved into stage two, I believe, uh, uh, more than a week ago. Uh, So how is that going? Well, it's going uh, very 
well. Um, you know, I talked a, a moment ago about uh, shopping local. I'm seeing that every day. I'm hearing firsthand stories of uh, people uh, shopping uh, locally, which is uh, great news. Uh, I know for me, uh, two days after we moved to stage two, I went and got a, a haircut. <laughs> so the uh, the barbers and hairstylists are going to be uh, very, very busy, probably for, for weeks, if not months. But it, it's been good, and the business community has stepped up to protect uh, workers' health and safety and the safety of uh, customers. And um, I think this will be another you know, great story of people pulling together to get through this. Monty McNaughton, Minister of Labor, Training and Skills Development. Thank you for letting us peek into your workplace safety toolkit. Very much appreciated. Thanks, Dan, so much. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Now that York Region has moved into Stage 2, retailers are back to work. Tina Cortez with how they win back consumers. Carl Littler is the Senior Vice President, Public Affairs for the Retail Council of Canada. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Can you tell us a little bit about your work for retailers big and small? Sure. So RTC, which is Retail Council of Canada, does a lot of work for retailers, including on the educational side, uh, member programs. Uh, Most of my work is done uh, in the space uh, that deals with government and and rules that apply to retailers' uh, programs uh, that they may access and so on. And and so we have a team across the country that deals with that municipally, provincially, and federally. Well, you said you help with government and helping retailers connect with government. How then have you helped retailers go through the pandemic and I guess now find a way to recover and come back as well. So there's really two parts to that. We developed, and it's available publicly on our website, whether or not one is a member. So we developed a recovery document that is pretty comprehensive and has been widely praised. Uh, We did that in concert with the Boston Consulting Group, and it has all kinds of good information uh, as uh, retailers are reopened or maybe are south of steel, prepared to reopen in some cases. And uh, so that's part of it. But we've also been very involved on things like the wage subsidy, like the emergency response benefit, uh, the uh, rental assistance program, and a number of others. And, and so we're engaged. That sometimes we're reaching into government. Sometimes they're reaching out to us to see how things would work in a retail context. So it's partly the program side, but we're also providing sort of operational advice. We've heard the term pivot in this pandemic. How have some companies changed what they do and how they produce? But then again, not all companies can do that. What have they been forced to do? What have you heard? So it depends a bit on the nature of of the entity. Uh, You know, obviously it's very difficult for those who are on the inside of malls to have the same approach as those who have street street access. So a couple of the things that people have done, obviously there was a significant emphasis on e-commerce in the early going, um, which, you know, has certainly grown for a great many retailers. Um, That's not always as practical. It becomes a little more challenging with apparel in terms of try-ons and returns than it would, for example, in, uh, in, in buying a toaster. The second challenge on the e-commerce side is that Canada Post and to some degree the couriers were not really set up for these sorts of volumes and so, you know, some of the uh, delivery times have been less than, than ideal. Um, as things evolved, and especially in Ontario, uh, there was a fair bit of approach to uh, using curbside, and curbside has become quite popular for pickup of a lot of goods. You know, if somebody needs a, a computer peripheral because they're working from home, uh, or they need, uh, you know, a toy for their child or what have you, um, we've had a curbside uh, grow significantly, and we think that some of that will be uh, a more permanent feature. But again, it doesn't work, you know, in every instance. It's, you know, not great for say bulk food it's not great for as as strong for for apparel and footwear and the like so it's a bit of a different tale depending on which part of retail you're talking about and what advice does the retail council have for retailers and the employees as much of the province heads into stage two obviously this doesn't apply to toronto peel region uh windsor essex but much of the province is in stage two we can now open up our doors what advice does the council have for those retailers and employees? So there's a fair bit of guidance that's out there from public health authorities, and, and, and we provide a fair bit ourselves. One of the things that we 
uh, have derived a lot of learnings from by the grocery and pharmacy space because they've been open throughout this mix. And so much of what they've done with respect to sanitization, with respect to physical distancing, uh, markings in stores for unidirectional traffic, all of those sorts of good ideas have actually been sort of field tested in the grocery and pharmacy space. So I would be looking at that. And a lot of that is captured uh, in the material on our website and and certainly in in, in lots of the advice from uh, local health authorities. Obviously, you know, we it's critically important that our workforce and obviously also our customers uh, are safe through this mix. I think everything has to, you know, be approached first and foremost through a public health lens, and that's going to have impacts on on the number of people in stores, on surface cleaning, uh, on making sure that there's sufficient PPE, uh, personal protective equipment uh, for 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 store associates. So I would start from that lens. Um, but obviously also there needs to be sort of economic viability. And so, you know, as far as things like opening hours, I think you're going to need to make a decision as to whether, you know, you're going back to the sort of status quo ante before COVID, uh, you know, 19 uh, broke out. Uh, there are probably adjustments that you're going to have to make. Uh, and of course, each one is going to be somewhat particular to a business, but we do have some pretty good guidance on our website uh, with respect to that. So, you know, rather than try and capture it all here, that's where I would recommend uh, people return. And could you share that website address with us and our listeners? Yeah, so it's uh, it's retailcouncil.org. Retailcouncil.org. Okay. Now, how do retailers win back consumer confidence? Because that may be the difficult part of this puzzle. Yeah, so I think there's a bunch of ingredients in that because there's two areas of consumer confidence. One is health-related, but one, of course, is economic. So on the health side, I think it's really important that businesses make it clear, and, and in some cases, the, the, they're housed in malls, that the malls uh, operators also make it clear what processes they have in place to ensure safe distance, what processes they have to ensure cleanliness and sanitization. So I think that that's going to be, you know, uh, you know, a fairly uh, critical piece of it. Um, you know. People have different orientations, and there are going to be some who are certainly going to be more nervous about venturing into this environment than others. Obviously, you know, some of those are issues that we don't control, which is, you know, what is the general sort of uh, level of cases in a particular region? What does the curve look like? So some of that is, of course, you know, uh, more ambient than, than necessarily within retail control. I think the other aspect that one needs to think about is it's not only a public health confidence issue, but there's also an economic confidence issue. And so depending on how the economy recovers, that's going to have a pretty big impact on, uh, you know, how much money Canadians have in their wallets. Uh, it may dictate some spending choices. You know, we've certainly seen, for example, a lot of reorientation to necessities during this crisis away from what you might call discretionary items. We've had a lot of focus on home improvement and the sort of things that may make life more, uh, you know, more enjoyable or even livable at home, you know, turning away from some of the products that, uh, you know, previously been sort of hot sellers. So I think that, you know, we're in a world where there is a transition back, but people are going to have to look certainly to how they're ensuring health in their in their particular environment, uh, whether they need to be thinking about pricing, uh, whether they need to be thinking about the product mix, um, and, and obviously being mindful of the state of the general economy, because frankly, there's a reason why the government is always focused on retail numbers when they come out every month, and it's just a general indicator of the, of the health of the economy in many respects retail is at the sharp end of all of the real economy because it's the final product being sold to the final consumer Um, and so that's going to be a big big element in this as well do you think the retail space has changed forever uh in some measure yes so I think it's it's a few things. Uh, first, you know, obviously there isn't a vaccine currently for COVID-19. Uh, we don't presume that that's a forever situation, but, you know, we're going to have to be careful about these health issues uh, on, you know, for, for a significant period of time. Um, so that's part of it. Um, there's certainly been some reorientation or orientation to e-commerce. 
Uh, and some of that will come back. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who like the experience of shopping, who want a sort of tactile uh, experience where they can touch items, try them on, you know, in real time in stores. But I think we will see, particularly for more kind of commodity products, that there will be, uh, you know, some of that that sticks to e-commerce and that peels away from, from the kind of bricks and mortar uh, retail environment. So I think that that's you know, probably the biggest change. Um, there are, there are, you know, there are going to be others. Uh, you know, as I say, there is a, uh, you know, a significant change with respect to how people think about telecommuting. Mm-hmm. So if you think about mixed commercial and retail space, which is often the case, most uh, office buildings will have, you know, or many office buildings will have a retail environment present. Think for a moment whether or not if people are working from home, that they're not commuting, uh, whether that you know, into the city or or into the core of one of the, the you know, the, the cities in, in New York region, um, what's that going to do with respect to those retail businesses that are allied with um, commercial space? So I think there's lots of things that will be thrown off by this, um, but we don't necessarily know, you know, all of the implications yet. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Carl Littler, Senior VP Public Affairs for the Retail Council of Canada. Thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. So if you're like me, a salon appointment is long overdue, and that's an understatement. Afua Ba takes us inside Sixth Sense. So we heard the great news earlier this week that York Region has been given the green light to enter into Stage 2 of the reopening framework, and that means places such as hair salons and nail salons can reopen. So joining me to chat today is a local spa and nail lounge in Woodbridge that has reopened under Stage 2 of the reopening framework framework and is already quite booked up. Huang Li, owner of Sixth Sense Spa and Nail Lounge in Woodbridge. Huang, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on the show. It is our pleasure. Okay, so first off, I, I'm sure this is great news for you to hear that, of course, uh, we are in stage two. How busy has it been since reopening? Very busy at the moment. For We fully booked for, uh, I think, going for the next couple of weeks, we are fully booked in our system. Wow, okay. <laughs> and so should you advise maybe people to start calling in now to book so that they can get an earlier date as possible? Well, definitely. We recommend that our customer can book us online um before uh, to reserve the spots because we have unlimited uh, the limited spots uh, uh, as uh, you know for social distancing uh, from the health department uh, our capacity have been reduced to half um, even though we have about 5500 uh, uh, square feet in space um, however we only allow to have around 45 people in the place at one time, so which means we only able to serve around 25 customers at one time. Really mm-hmm. recommend that, that customers are uh, calling ahead or even book us online. Then for those who have already booked and, uh, you know, just waiting for their appointment to come in, uh, if you can maybe just tell me, how has uh, how has, uh, service changed since reopening? What are you doing differently? Well, we have to follow the, uh, the health check protocols from the York Region Health Department recommendations. Um, people come in, we always recommend that our customers wearing a mask. Uh, with hand, uh, uh, with the, you know, hand sanitizers uh, before the service is done, um, and you know most of the service are taking slower than the normal because we have to clean up uh, um, all the uh, space and all the equipments um, before the next service. So uh, it's definitely the service is is, um, is slower than than before the, the COVID. Okay, but of course, all to make sure that health and safety precautions are being met. That's the that's the first thing in mind that uh, you know our business is is, is the, for uh, to protect our customers and as well uh, our staff. Absolutely. Okay. And so, are there any services that maybe right now uh, Sixth Sense is not offering, or just keeping uh, certain services to a limited amount until maybe things get better in the future? I, I think we are slowly getting into business, so we are um, limited in offering restroom staff therapy at the moment. We're not doing any lashes, anything that uh, uh, that 
that, you know, having uh, more contact from uh, the face and up, uh, we more prioritize for doing carry and manis and, 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 and most of the, the easy uh, work to start first. And we slowly, you know, uh, rolling out with uh, uh, other closer contact uh, services later on. Okay, perfect. And then is there anything that maybe you want customers to know just before they come in or maybe when they're booking an appointment? Is there any info that they need to have handy to let you know about so that you can prepare for the customer? We definitely appreciate that clients, you know, let us know uh, what their needs and, you know, if they've been travel around, if they are having any symptoms with, uh, you know, with the COVID-19. Uh, we always recommend that, you know, they come in with uh, a clean hands and, and sanitizer before. Um, so we, you know, for the staff, feeling much better to serve them. Perfect. Okay. And is there anything that you would like to let the customers know um, as you, of course, you've already, you're booked for a while, but maybe for those who are getting ready to, to book and, and are waiting patiently to get uh, served, any advice that you have for them? We like to ask uh, our customer to be patient with us. We know it's been three months that, uh, you know, most of the customers haven't done any services yet. Um, they are anxiously waiting to have their service their feet and then hands done. Uh, however, uh, you know, with the limited staff and, and the space at the moment, um, we asking for the patient and we'll definitely will we'll have their turns done. All right, perfect. Huang Lee from Sixth Sense Spa and Nail Lounge in Woodbridge. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm probably going to see you soon because I need to get my, <laughs> my nails done too, but I will be patient like everybody else. I will wait for my turn um, and I'll get glimed up soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me in the so stay safe. Time now for our first break on the feed. When we return, how to increase your productivity when you're working from home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Ann Romer. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. Galit Solomon is next with how to maintain your focus and stay motivated when you're working from home. Susan, I'd like to welcome you to the feed. Good to be here. And from what I understand, you're a social psychologist and you're also the author of the book of No, 365 Ways to Say It and Mean It and Stop People Pleasing Forever. I love that title. Thank you. As a a former people pleaser... Uh, I know how hard it is to say no. It, yeah, and, and I was going to say, so many of us are, you know, we're raised to, to say yes. We're raised to, you know, please other people. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're an adult, and it really becomes uh, difficult to break that habit. So how about we start there, the title of the book and why it is that uh, that you decided to go with this theme. Well, I decided to go with this theme because women in particular are people pleasers. We're raised, as you said, to be caring and nurturing, and it's human nature. We want people to like us and love us, and therefore, when somebody asks us to do something, we immediately say, yes, no problem, and what the book tries to do is change your thinking instead of saying yes no problem I'll do that for you to think no before you say yes and to try to weigh what's being asked Um, do I have time to do this am I going to be upset with myself if I agree? Am I going to resent the person asking? And and do I have, you know, the ability to do it being asked? Often, particularly if it's a work colleague or a boss, we take on assignments that we're not really 100% um, capable of doing, and then we add to our stress. Right, right. Now, you offer seven tips in your book for increasing your productivity. Very relevant topic right now, especially for those of us who are working from home. I know I'm one of them. On, on Majority of the time, I am working from home, and I'm dealing with other distractions, of course, when I'm at home. So let's dive into these seven tips. Um, and the first one that I'd like to speak about is no one is a mind reader. What do you mean by that? What I mean is people 
people who are not working and even your friends who are working and family, they don't understand your schedule. You need to spell out, I work, I'm off limits. I actually had to do this with my husband since he started working at home. Mm -hmm. And I had to say, wait a minute, you can't keep interrupting me every five minutes with a request or a question. Uh, so I made off limits between 9 and 12.30. He could not come near me. Um, so what you want to do is you want to tell people what hours you work. Uh, and you could do this very nicely and say, look, I'd appreciate it if you didn't call me before 10.30 or whatever hours you want to set. That, that will give them reason to pause before they come at you. And that makes it a lot easier. They're going to be hesitant to call you. They're going to think about it if you've explained your work time. Now, next you say you have to set up a safety zone. Tell us, what does that mean? A safety zone, especially if you're working at home and right now, if you have children like myself, I have a six-year-old, <laughs> it becomes a bit more challenging uh, to, to set up a, a physical space where, you know, he doesn't interrupt. So what do you mean by that? It doesn't even ha necessarily have to be a closed-off office mm -hmm. away from everybody. Um, what I did with my son when he was very young is I, it, it almost becomes a game with young children. I put up my hand like a stop sign, and that meant mom's on the phone, you can't mm -hmm. talk. As he got older, uh, we used, my husband bought me a sign of a witch, a witch hanging, and it says when he could read, the witch is in, oh. and that meant, okay, I'm working, and it hung on the door, it was quite cute. Right. And parents can make, you You know the traffic um, crossing guards have a sign that say stop? Mm -hmm. you, that turns it into more of a fun kind of thing with young children. You could hold that up to say, okay, you can't come in now, or I'm busy. And it, it works with most children. I'm not guaranteeing that will work with all kids. But it will work, or as I did with my husband, I just said, these are your off limits for the, <laughs> this amount of time. Asserting yourself is another tip you offer. Tell me about that one. Well, you, you, you know, you want to say no to people because you're just piling on your, your workload if you keep saying yes. And what I mean by that is just say, look, I would like to do this, but I really can't. I'm on a deadline or I have to finish what I'm doing. And that's pretty much true all the time. The problem with asserting yourself is that we often worry and wonder what people are thinking when we say that. We, if we say no, uh, you go into a, a kind of panic. Oh, my God, she's going to be so upset with me. She's never going to ask me. She's not going to be my friend. But in reality, when you turn somebody down, they're really not thinking about you. They're moving on to find someone who can do the job that they want done or drive the carpool for you, which unfortunately we don't have a lot of right now, but maybe back soon after the pandemic. Now, I love this next one, protect your time. Let's, uh, let's delve into that one now. You know, that's another thing. We have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of both physical and psychic, emotional um, stamina. And when you keep giving yourself away, in essence, you are eating up that time. And this happens if you are uh, particularly skilled at something. Uh, let's say you're very handy at putting things together, so your friends are going to ask you all the time to please help out. It may be that you are the best gift selector, so your family and friends are going to say, oh, we're going, there's a birthday party for so-and-so, you buy the gift. <laughs> And it's flattering to be asked. There's no question about that. But before you agree, you want to ask yourself, can I do this? 
Do I have the time? What would I rather be doing? I might rather be playing a board game with my children mm. than shopping for this birthday gift. Right, right. That's fair. That's fair. Now, this next one might be a tough one for a lot of people, but a necessary one as well. Ditch your cell phone. I have to tell you, uh, one of the jobs that I do for my clients is I manage social media channels. And it feels like it's nearly impossible for me to not have my phone near me at all times because social media doesn't stop. What are your uh, suggestions when it comes to the phone and, uh, and of course, uh, work-related aspects of using your phone? Well, the University of Texas did a study on this, and they found that these interruptions actually impair your brain power, the interruptions from your cell phone. And I personally tried this and I said, oh, my cell phone's driving me crazy and turned it off and put it out of the room I was in. And the amount of production was so great that I said, okay, the University of Texas, they were absolutely right. So that turning off your cell phone, and I understand why you can't do it, but you can do it at, say, at six, from 6 to 8 in the evening, cell phone goes away. And when you, you want the cell phone out of your sight, even if you turn it off and you have it sitting on your desk or next to your bed, it's still disruptive. Your brain knows it's there. So it's better to get it out of your sight and not in the pocket, not next to you. It also, it, it, it helps with your stress level. Mm-hmm. We're so tied to these phones that you're constantly looking at it. You know, when you watch teenagers, they don't even talk to each other anymore because they're so tied to their phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll sit next to each other texting right. yep. rather than talking. It's yep. crazy, the power of the phone. <laughs> the name of the book is yeah, The thanks. Book of No, 365 Ways to Say It and Mean It and Stop People. Uh, pleasing forever. Dr. Susan Newman, some great information there. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. When we come back, recognizing the grads of 2020. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Over to Jim Lang with one woman's efforts to honor the graduates of 2020 and also her brother's memory. Now, I have seen some interesting and innovative ways to celebrate a child's graduation during COVID-19, but I don't know if I've ever seen one as innovative as this and at the same time helping people in need. Thrilled to be speaking to Carla Malwin from Carla's Cookie Box. You can get more detail at CarlaCookieBox.com. And she joined us in the feed. Carla, how are you? I'm doing great today. How about you, Jim? Oh, excellent, excellent. Um, your company makes amazing, award-winning butter tarts and cookies and all these amazing sweets. And you would think that you would be so focused on that, but you've taken the time to do something special, make up T-shirts for high school grads of 2020, but at the same time supporting Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yes. Um, so in August of 2019, my brother was killed by an alleged uh, drunk driver. So uh, throughout this whole process, I mean, as you can imagine, it's been uh, incredibly devastating and and horrible for us. It happened in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, I was actually working down at the CNE, funny enough. Um, And, uh, yeah, so my brother was coming home from a friend's house, going uh, back home, and he was struck and killed. And since then, I've been trying to figure out a way to give back because I don't want another family to feel the way we've been feeling. It's it's just been excruciating for us. And we really have nothing. Like, there, there's nothing that we could do to, to make Paul come back. But what I can do, and with the help of my daughter and the rest of my family, is ensure that another family doesn't have to feel the way we feel. So as my daughter was graduating this year, 
um, I decided to put this shirt together and donate $5 back to Mad Canada. But more than just the money, my whole focus around this is to really make some noise and really bring awareness and attention around the devastation that can happen to a family. Because as victims, we don't have a lot of rights. So um, what my whole focus and my whole plan is is to hopefully try to get even as far as right now just a premiere and and then and take it further because this is just the first year of many years of me doing this. Now you would think Carla in 2020 that we wouldn't have to educate citizens and people in the New York region about the perils of drunk driving but it's still a major issue in society and it's it's so amazing that you're doing this through the grief and and really sending a message and you talk about your theme of changing one person at a time and then that's it if one person buying these t-shirts gets the message it it makes a big difference what I find as well is that because people were asking me you know I don't really need a t-shirt you know can I just donate and and to me what I say to them is that these t-shirts send a message because they have the Mad Canada logo it's literally a walking billboard so if I can change one person's narrative and that person can change another person's narrative and that person can change another person's narrative you know it just takes one person at a time one small step at a time and you know people think you know who am I I'm a small I'm a small person and I can't make a change but everyone can make a change we can all make a change one little bit at a time because it's domino effect. Now, the t-shirts themselves, I don't know who I should thank for the creativity, but they're brilliant. There's, it features a mask and toilet paper, and it's really well done. You know, honestly, um, that t-shirt was designed by my t-shirt designer. I just said, you know, this is the idea that I have. Um, this is what I want to do. And uh, he came up with the, the t-shirt, and it was uh, fantastic. And then with my help, Nadia, at Plan B, she just kind of got the word out to everybody and it's just been a little whirlwind of a fact you know we met with the uh, uh, Minister of Education Stephen Lecce we met with our local MPP Michael Pabolo uh, Stella Acristo uh, from City News TV made my story go national which was amazing Beth on CTV did a, a story in front of my parents house which was amazing so little by little you know we're getting uh, our story across and uh, the t-shirts themselves with the mask and um, uh, right on it, the graduation cap um, with the toilet paper for the zeros on the 2020 is, is pretty fun. So, I, you know, I didn't want to make it a serious t-shirt, even though the message behind it is very serious. I wanted to make it fun because, you know, this is for grade 8s and grade 12 and university. I'm getting a lot of university and college grads that are buying them. So I wanted to make it something fun and memorable. And, and I feel really bad for these kids because, you know, this is end game for them, you know, especially these university and these college uh, kids. This is end game. You know, they've worked so hard and, you know, you know they, they saw that light at the end of the tunnel and now they have to graduate alone at home. Yeah, you know, and I know in the video, it's really well done by Stella, is um, your daughter, she's, she's a special young lady. We have uh, two daughters, myself, my wife and I, one in university uh-huh. and one in grade 11. And I could see that this is not your typical grade 12 kid. This is a young lady making a difference. And you, know, you have obviously taught her very well. And it's, it's a lesson that is going to do her well throughout life. Yeah, you know, she she's amazing, Isabella. Uh, she's been so helpful and so gracious uh, along the way. She hasn't moaned once about missing a prom or missing her grad. She understands, you know, and um, funny enough, my daughter has overcome a lot of adversity. She was bullied in uh, grade 6, 7, and 8. Uh, she has an LD. So, you know, for her, getting to grade 12 was really important to her, you know, with the marks she did and, you know, getting into her choice school. Like it, it was, um, it, she worked really, really hard, really, really hard. But and she's still not whining about it. She's still not moaning. She's like, you know, I get it, mom. I, I get why we need to stay in. I understand. You know, she would rather not get sick and not other people get sick than going to like a graduation. She's like, you know, it, it's it's really important, but it's not as important as people's lives. 
Amen to that. Uh, Carla, you can get more details about Carla's Cookie Box at the website, CarlaCookieBox.com. And I suppose, Carla, that's also where you can order the T-shirts? Exactly, 100%. So uh, you can order the T-shirts online on my website at CarlaCookieBox.com. And $5 towards just the T-shirts goes to Mad Canada. Now, uh, this weekend we're having special Father's Day, so uh, fathers and grads, uh, dads and grads, I call it. And I'm personally donating an extra $2. Uh, from those packages um, to go towards Mad Canada. So wait a sec. So if I if I buy a shirt this weekend, it's a total of seven dollars going to Mad Canada. Well, if you buy a package, so any Father's Day package oh. that you buy. So if you're so I have packages put together. So I have grad packages. So from the grad packages that you put together at any time throughout June and part of July. $6 goes, so I'm donating an extra dollar for, from the packages. And then this week, any of the Father's Day packages, even without a T-shirt, I'm donating an extra $2 on top of whatever I sell in the Mad Canada uh, packages. Now, do you hear that, York Region? Eating delicious butter turts and cookies and raising money for good cause. It doesn't get better than that. Go to CarlaCookieBox.com and order those packages and help out stamp out impaired driving in New York Region. I think that's brilliant, Carla. Thank you. Greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Carla, thank you so much. I continue great work with Carla's Cookie Box. Get on there, CarlaCookieBox.com. Get a Father's Day package, order a T-shirt, and uh, help make a difference. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Carla. Uh, thank you for having me, Jim. Dan Daniel is 23 years old. He was to have his graduation this past week, but because of COVID-19, his family held a Zoom gathering instead. He joins us on the feed right now. By the way, congratulations for graduating from Lang School of Business and Economics, University of Guelph. Well done. Hi, Ed. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. And yes, yeah, I was supposed to graduate this past week, but you know, due to the circumstances, I wasn't able to. So, whose idea was to it was to make it a a virtual graduation? Let's talk about how that all kind of came together. Sure. So, the way that it all came together was uh, my family really put it all together. I had no idea it was all happening until the morning. Um, so it was last weekend and uh, my I woke up in the morning after sleeping in, you know, as you would do on a weekend. And I walked down the stairs and I just saw a bunch of balloons hung up on the wall and my family was waiting for me in my living room and they surprised me and said there was a bunch of surprises coming today for your graduation. Uh, and it was it was an amazing surprise. And then uh, as for the Zoom call, that happened later in the day. Uh, my parents, my sisters had gotten in touch with my family and friends uh, from all around the world, you know, everywhere from Israel to the U.K. to anywhere in the U.S. There were people on the Zoom call. Uh, and it was really a, an amazing experience to have all those people celebrate my graduation with me. That's incredible. It really is. So I'm sure as you were growing up and you were going through various levels of school, and I know how hard you worked and will continue to work, but you may have had in your mind's eye what your university graduation would look like. So what what was that? Describe to me how you thought you would graduate. Yeah, so as you expect, you know, as going through university, you see the different graduating classes in their caps and gowns sitting in a hall for, you know, four hours getting their name called up and walking down and grabbing their diplomas and whatnot. I thought, you know, I would just be similar to that, but, you know, given the circumstances, uh, my family tried to kind of recreate that in, in our own creative manner. And uh, my mother said it best during that Zoom call. She said, if it weren't for these unexpected circumstances, we wouldn't have been able to share this moment with everyone on the call. And she was so right about that. Wow. I'll bet there were tears streaming down a lot of faces on that one. So tell me how it felt to uh, to celebrate your graduation in a way that you never expected. 
it was it was unbelievable. I was so happy throughout the whole day. And I'm so grateful to have you know a family who, who's super caring and you know are able to put these things together for me and show me this kind of love. You know, I was very bummed out at first when this all happened. You know, it was it was very reactive to the situation. You know, but as the time moved on, I was became more understanding as to why and understanding of the circumstances. But, you know, what they did for me last weekend was it was really amazing. I, I was so happy. I couldn't have been happier. Hey, Tan, did you make a speech? I did. I did. I tried to keep it short, but uh, I did make a speech. You know, I just kind of said to everybody how grateful I am to have them there and have such an amazing support system and uh, contacts and friends and family throughout the world. And it was just such a such a great experience. So tell me about that. So you were seeing and hearing from family and friends the world over, how far away were some of these uh, wonderful people? Yeah, so I have I have cousins and aunts and uncles uh, all around the world, from uh, Israel to the UK to San Francisco, New Jersey, and uh, anywhere in between uh, that you could imagine. So I uh, I'm lucky to have a very you know diverse family background, and uh, we're kind of spread out all over the world and we all keep in touch with each other and that that really hit home on on this past week and uh i was able to you know see them all and they were able to come you know come to my virtual graduation and i guess that's what your mom meant when she said you know had it not been for covid 19 this wouldn't have happened this way to have all of these people because i'm sure not many of them would be able to travel so far to come to your real physical graduation yeah that's exactly it uh i don't think uh you know there would have been this much of a you know presence or reaching out in a normal circumstance because you know it's just something that that happens in the normal course of life you know you graduate university uh, you get congratulated and whatnot but because of the you know the extreme circumstances we were able to turn into something beautiful where we get the whole family together to come celebrate you know a special occasion in this case it happened to be my graduation and I'm, I'm super happy that it all happened like that a ten one of the incredible people involved in your Zoom call graduation was our wonderful colleague Galit Solomon here at 105.9 The Region, who just happens to be your amazing aunt. Yeah, she definitely is an amazing aunt. I'm so proud to have her in my life, and I was so happy that she was able to join in on the Zoom call and help everyone come together and celebrate this special occasion for us. Has she given you any advice as you now march forward into your brilliant future? Yeah, she she always is able to you know give deep and knowledgeable advice and uh one thing that she's always told me is to not rush into things you know take your time when you're evaluating your options and what exactly you want to do and like, always be mindful of of that when you're doing stuff that's why she is so successful and very much loved that's for sure so Etan, what is next for you so this September, I'm uh, starting a new role at PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is an accounting firm uh, in Toronto. And uh, that's kind of the first step of my professional journey moving forward. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting started there in September. Etan Daniel, congratulations again on graduating in, in such an unusual way, but you did it. You have graduated from Lang School of Business and Economics, University of Guelph, and your future looks so bright. Thank you for joining us on the feed. Thanks so much for having me, and all the best. Well, congratulations to all of our 2020 graduates from all of us here at 105.9 The Region. For the latest developments on COVID-19 and exclusive updates from York Region's Medical Officer of Health, go to 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.